God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson, and you're listening to Love Thy Neighbor. I don't know what platform you're listening to it on, but thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, those of you, whether you're supporting with $9.99, $4.99, cent, it all helps us as we build this platform and as we are doing full-time ministry. Your generosity helps and supports us as we go forward to do the work of the Lord. Today, 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 we're going to dive in deep and I'm going to talk about the prophecy, prayer, and the problems that people are having. There's a connection between praying right and being able to hear from God and speak what he is saying and to be able to discern if someone is saying what God is saying. But it starts with our relationship with God. And so our relationship with God is based on prayer and a right understanding of how to pray. Because once you've given your life to Christ, once you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you are saved. And if you are saved, then that means you have repented and turned from the life that you are living. And now you have the precious Holy Spirit on the inside of you to guide you and help you and encourage you. And so it is time for you to build a powerful relationship with God. And there's two ways to do it. Number one, the word, reading the word daily. But number two, prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray daily. And we're going to dive into the model prayer. And we're going to talk about prayer, prophecy, and the problem that is happening in today's world. God bless you. Get ready. Open up your Bible, get your notepad out. We're going deep. Prayer, prophecy, and the problem. God bless you, this Apostle Anthony, and we are diving into some deep, deep waters today. Um, last week, uh, I did a sermon jam uh, on false prophecy. Um, and realistically, as I was praying and fasting and seeking the Lord about where to come from next, um, the Lord really dropped on my spirit a connection between um, prayer and prophecy. And here's what the Lord was showing me that if people don't have a right understanding of prayer, then they will not have a right understanding of prophecy because prayer is us talking to God, but it's also God talking to us. And if we don't understand that dialogue, then we're not going to understand what should come out of that dialogue. Paul in first Corinthians 14, one, said to pursue spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so that was something that the apostle Paul wanted the Corinthian church to be able to do. He wanted them to be able to prophesy. And the reason why he wanted that is because he wanted them to be able to speak words of exhortation, edification, and comfort to each other, to edify each other, build each other up. But if my prayer life is not correct and my way and the way that I relate to God in prayer is not right then number one I'm not going to be able to prophesy correctly number two I'm not going to be able to discern and test prophecy because I'm not going to know the God that it's coming from and so I'm not going to be able to understand if it's correct or not correct if it's from him or not from him and Prayer is a huge piece in understanding prophecy, as well as the word of God, the word of God. And so we're going to talk about prayer this week. We're going to talk about the word of God and how it relates to prophecy next week. So I'm going to walk you through the model prayer. 
And I'm going to show you three critical aspects of the model prayer that will change the way that you pray, number one, and it will change the way that you approach God and hear from God. All right. Because it's 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 much bigger than what we think. All right. And so in Matthew um, chapter six, verses nine through 13, um, and also in Luke chapter um, 11, verses one through four is the model prayer. I'm going to look at Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. We're going to break this up in the sections. Um, let me give this to you. Number one, prayer must be for God's will. Prayer must be for God's will. When I pray, I should be praying for God's will. Number two, when I pray, I should be praying according to God's will. First, I pray for God's will. Then I pray according to that will. And number three, I must pray in God's will. And I'm going to break these things down. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And this is Jesus speaking. His disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. This is important. They are asking him to teach them how to pray. And so he says in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Stop. The first thing that Jesus wants them to see is that God is to be reverenced, that they are reverencing God's authority, his position as God. Number one, our father. The term father means creator, originator. It means transmitter. It means the one from which things come. And he says, our father the one from which everything came from in heaven. You're seated in heaven. You're not here with us. You're not on earth. You're not, you're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. That means worthy of praise. Worthy of praise. Sacred is your name. Set apart is your name. Your kingdom come. Watch this. To say, God, your kingdom come is to say your rule, your reign, your dominion, your authority, your domain, your power come. This is important. There's a fad today where people um, call themselves speaking for God. Some people call themselves speaking as God because Christ is in me. I can speak as God. No, you can't. You are supposed to go to God and reverence the authority that he has. There's a lot of people. They're big on. I declare. I decree. I command this. I command that. I command the other. What they're doing and they don't understand it is they're pushing God to the side and saying, God, I will speak for you. Or number two, God, I'm speaking as you. No, we're supposed to speak on behalf of God or we're supposed to speak at God's request. And so in you would know that if you prayed correctly, you would know that you could not just assume that you knew what God wanted to do in a certain situation. You would actually go to our father in heaven, hallowing his name and asking that his kingdom would come his domain, not my domain. So many people throw around this idea of we got to walk in our authority. We've got to walk in our authority. And this idea is a false idea that they have expanded and broken out of its context because you never see the disciples pray that way. 
The people who studied under Jesus, they never go out and start commanding and start declaring and decreeing. And it's not that they didn't know. They know the Bible. Paul knows the Bible. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knows what the Bible teaches and he never, ever taught anybody to do that. And, and I want people to really think about this. I want them to think about this. When you dis, when you decide that you're going to declare something or decree something, where do you see that example in scripture? And where is that taught? Where is that specifically taught? Because I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I really want us to be biblical in the way that we do things. We want to be sound in our doctrine. We don't want to go and take things and just turn it into what we want to turn it into. What I found is that we have created our own language. We have created our own language of prayer. And it's a language that is not seen or taught in scripture. We do not have the authority to take and create terminologies that the prophets, that Jesus nor his apostles used in scripture. When they asked Jesus how to pray, this is what he taught them. He taught them, number one, reverence God's authority. Number two, submit to God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I am running around commanding things and do, how do I know that that's not God's will? I was reading earlier today in the book of Jonah and Jonah, uh, the Bible says that God prepared a great fish that first of all, he started a storm. (laughs) There are some people that would try to rebuke that storm or command that storm to stop. But what if God caused the storm? Hmm? Then you're going to have to weather it. You're not going to be able to command it. So you're going to have to first reverence his authority number two submit to his will what if he wants you to go through the storm and he doesn't allow you to command or decree that the storm be over Hmm. how come when Paul was being stoned in the book of Acts he didn't command that the stones cease no he he took his, his beating like a man and got up and continued to preach the gospel Yeah, there are Paul had a friend in Acts or in the Philippians chapter two, verses 25 to 28. And his heart was hurting over because his friend was sick. How come Paul didn't command the sickness to be gone? Decree that you won't be sick. Paul was just happy that he was healed and that he didn't die. But he was sorrowful because he was nervous that this guy was going to die. Epaphras. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 28. There are times where we're going to have to we're going to have to submit to God's will. We can't just command something to not happen because we don't know if it's God's will for that to happen. Do you know that there are things in the Bible that God said do not pray for, that you can't pray this away? This has to happen. In the book of uh, Jeremiah, let me show you something. Book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 14. Um, Jeremiah 14, God is really getting on Israel, uh, Jerusalem, and he's disciplining them. In Jeremiah 14, verse 10, thus saith the Lord to this people, thus they have loved to wander, they have not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. Watch this. Verse 11, Jeremiah 14, verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, do not pray for this people. Pause. Think about it. This people, they're going through. God's getting ready to punish them. He's getting ready to get them. He tells Jeremiah, don't pray for these people for their good. Don't pray for them 
for their good. Two ways you can read that. Number one, don't pray for them because this is for their good. Number two, don't pray for them because I don't want you to pray for anything good to happen to them. And I think it's the latter. I think it's God is saying, don't pray for anything good to happen to them. He says in verse 12, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine and by the pestilence. Now watch this. Because Jeremiah understands that when when I pray, I've got to reverence God's authority. He's the one in charge. Number two, I've got to submit to his will. Jeremiah obeys him. But there are prophets in the land that disregard what God is saying. And they decide that they're going to declare peace and safety and good things. Look at verse 13. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, you shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give, (laughs) but I will give you assured peace in this place. They don't even say, thus saith the Lord. They just tell them by their own authority that you won't see the sword. You won't see famine. You're going to have peace. God just said that you're going to have the sword, famine, and pestilence. They say you're not going to have any of that. Verse 14. Here's what God says about them. And the Lord said to me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you false visions, divination, and worthless, a worthless thing. And the deceit of their own hearts. This is why it's important. That you learn. How to relate to God through prayer. These people. These prophets don't have no relationship with God. But Jeremiah does. You see the conversation that Jeremiah is having with God. And you see how Jeremiah is submitted to God. That God has given the orders. Whatever God says. Jeremiah submits to. That's a prophet. And it starts with understanding the relationship between himself and God. First, reverencing God's authority. Our Father who in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You're the one in charge. Number two, submitting to God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you say from heaven. Now, let me help you get this. Whatever God says from heaven, because where is he? God is in heaven, right? And so... Whatever he says from his place, his throne, I submit to. And I declare that it be on earth based upon what it is in heaven, not by my own authority. I don't get to declare and decree whatever I want. I have to go and say what he says. As a matter of fact, I don't even like using the word declare or decree because Nowhere do you see the apostles, the prophets, or anybody praying like that. The third thing, and it's the largest portion of this particular prayer. It says, give us, our, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This part of this prayer is trusting God's sovereignty saying God you're in control you're in control you are in control so even if you ask me to do something that I don't like you're in control even if it looks like something like wait a minute you don't want me to pray for the good because we think that, that we should always pray for the good but what if God says no I don't want you to pray for the good. What if you're doing something that's not bad? Let's say like the the Apostle Paul in in Romans chapter one, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter one wants to go see the church at Rome. Begin at verse eight, Romans one, eight. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for, for you all. 
that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve uh, with my spirit in the gospel of his son without ceasing. I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. If by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Wait a minute. The Apostle Paul praying for the people that he loves, wanting to see them says, I'm going to make a request to God. I'm making a request. As I'm praying for you, I'm requesting of God that by some means, if it's in his will, I'd be able to come to you. Now, wait a minute. Paul, why don't you just decree it to happen? Why don't you just declare, I'll be there? No, because Paul has the reverence God's authority. He has to submit to God's will and he has to trust God's sovereignty over the situation. That's why he say by some means, like God, if, if there's a way that you can make, I'll, I'll, I'll go as long as it's in your will. So many people are prophesying and speaking things according to the deceitfulness of their heart out of their own will. But the Bible says this is dangerous, Right. The Bible says this is dangerous. Look at James chapter four. I'm walking y'all through something right now. James chapter four, verse 13. <laughs> and James is being sarcastic. James is a deep brother. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor. That appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. But now you boast in arrogance and all such boasting is evil. There are people that are boasting in, in, in prophecy. Oh, I declare that you'll go to nations. Um, if the Lord wills that. You can't just declare something, especially if you don't even pray right. You don't even relate to God right. There are people you hear them using that terminology when they're praying to God. No wonder they're so arrogant in thinking that they could just go and tell people anything that comes to their heart. I watched um, watched a, a video the other day. And this guy was teaching on how he taught people to prophesy, right? And uh, he gets people in a room and sits them at a table. And he says to them, hey, if Jesus was here right now, what do you think he would say? And they would say whatever they say. Next person. What do you think he would say? Oh, they would say something. Next person. They would say something. At the end of the time, he said, did you guys know you just were prophesying? What? What? you kidding me he's calling that prophecy you just say something off the top of your head and that gets to be prophecy because it's nice because it's good nobody in the room said if jesus was here right now he would call us a brood of vipers <laughs> nobody in the room said that we are whitewashed tombs Nobody said that. Everybody said, oh, nice things, nice things, nice things. Everybody thinks that prophecy is supposed to be nice things. Jeremiah was told to tell the people that the Lord is going to punish them now. And the Lord told him, I don't even want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. Do you know there are some people that God says, no, don't pray for them. I'm like, What? No, let them go. I'm dealing with them. I'm dealing with them. That That's hard to trust that God is okay with that. That God can be all right with you. No, don't say anything nice. Don't pray for their good. Ouch. It's not the God that I thought I knew. But guess what? Like Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse uh, 9 through 11. 
I'm sorry if I made you sorry, but I'm not sorry if it caused you to repent. It probably hurts God to do that to them, but if it causes them to turn from their wickedness, then he's not sorry because it accomplished the best good that it could is that it spared them from judgment and destruction. Spared them from judgment and destruction. I want to show you something. Uh, The Apostle Paul prays, I believe, the perfect prayer for the church today. And this is my prayer for the church today. This is what I want to pray for the church today. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 uh, through 12. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Here's what it says. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. First of all, in order to prophesy, you have to be filled with God's will because that's what prophecy is. Prophecy is an inspired word that connects people to God's will and his purpose. Whether you're correcting somebody, encouraging somebody, or giving them direction. At the end of the day, it's not prophecy if it doesn't connect people to God's purpose. And what is God's purpose? Salvation, number one. And number two, the kingdom. Bringing people into his kingdom and them living according to his kingdom. And so when somebody prophesies, they should be connecting you to God's divine will and purpose, not just telling you the future, not just telling you a future, a version of the future, what could happen, what might be in your heart, what might be in their heart for you. Sometimes they're saying good things because that's what they want for you, but that doesn't mean that that's God's will. And there's so many people mad at God because somebody prophesied something out of their own will. They took it upon their hands to usurp God's uh, authority, to negate, to to just totally uh, ignore God's will and forget about his sovereignty. They just wanted to make you feel better. But Paul says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is what people need. And you know how you get that? Is that you reverence God's authority. You come to him humbly in prayer. Submitting to his kingdom. Submitting to his will. God, what is your will? If I'm gonna pray for somebody who's sick, I say, Father, according to your will, heal according to your will if he doesn't heal then I trust his sovereignty I trust that it's bigger than me I trust that there's something that I don't know or I don't understand or I can't connect I don't take it upon myself to think that I have the power to make him let's pray again well let's pray again I get that I understand being fervent in prayer but that's not what that means Number two, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So not only do you be filled with his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, but you walk worthy of him, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Salvation is God's mercy, his grace, and a gift to us. Why do we need salvation? Because of original sin and God's justice, which gives us access to the grace of God. How do we know we're saved? We're saved. How are we saved? We're saved by faith, through grace, in Christ Jesus. What are the signs of our salvation? The Holy Spirit working in us. Then good works coming out of us. And thirdly, sanctification, which means we are walking worthy of the Lord, pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Here it comes 
strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience, long suffering with joy, giving thanks to God who qualifies us as partakers of the inheritance with the saints in the light that I'm growing I'm growing in him. This is a perfect prayer for the church, perfect prayer for believers because you're praying for God's will, for them to know God's will. You're praying for them to grow and develop according to God's will. And you're praying for them to be in God's will. Remember, everything we do has to be in God's will. Now, I want to drop this on you and I'm, I'm going to shut this thing down. I was reading this week a passage that I've struggled with for years. Struggled with it for years. Um, because what it sounded like... I just thought was just so I just didn't think that anything like that was in the Bible I just didn't think that you could just do that but in Matthew chapter 21 verses 20 through 22 um, Jesus um, finds himself uh, hungry I'll start at verse um, 18 Matthew chapter 21, I'll start at verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. Jesus found himself hungry. Um, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. Hmm. And said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered up. It died right then and there. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Jesus answered and said to them, Listen, y'all. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. <sighs> this verse is so powerful and so problem problematic at the same time. The power of this verse is that Jesus is not lying, right? This is the truth. He's telling his disciples if they have faith. Number one, this word faith, pistis. It literally means to believe in God, trust in Jesus for salvation, and live, living. It means that you're living according to that faith. Because of these things, if you have faith, right? If you have faith, you can say to that mountain, if you trust in God, you believe in God, trust in Jesus for salvation, and live according to that faith, Here's what I'm going to tell you. You'll know exactly what to pray, to believe, and what to look for. You'll know what to pray for. You'll believe, and you'll look forward to receiving it. But I want you to recognize something that occurred to me reading this. The person saying this to them is the same person that told them, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He's also the same person that told them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's the same person in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where the moths and the rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal it. But lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moths or rusts or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The same person that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise 
the other. You cannot serve God and riches or money or possessions or treasures. You can't trust in your treasures. He's the same one in Matthew 6, 25 that says, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, this same Jesus tells his disciples if anyone decides to come after me he must first deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what profit a man if he gains the whole world and lose his soul or what would a man give in exchange for his soul it's the same guy the same guy that by the time we get to chapter 21 and verse 21 and 22, where he tells them that they can say to a mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and that whatever they ask in prayer, believing they'll receive, it's the same guy. And these are the same people who have been, who have been walking with him the whole time. So I submit to you, all this buildup is that they know exactly what Jesus is talking about and what he means. They know that Jesus is talking about when it comes down to the purpose and the thing that God has assigned them to go do. They will not be stopped by anything. Whatever they ask, believing they will receive. This does not mean that whatever I think of, I should go pray for. If I want a new house. Well, the Bible says, whatever things I ask in prayer, believing, I'll receive it. Now, wait a minute. Before you can pray that, you have to embody these lessons that have been taught all the way up to this point. There's no way you're going to pray for earthly treasures because you're not going to keep your treasures here on earth. There's no way that you're going to be worried about your life. So you're not going to be praying for, you know, things you're going to trust that God has you taken care of. As a matter of fact, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to pick up your cross and you're going to follow him. And so you're probably not going to be praying for anything for yourself at this particular moment. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're going to be praying for any mountains that stand in the way of souls being saved to be removed. <laughs> You're going to be praying for God to manifest his glory as his message goes forth. You're not going to pray these selfish prayers that people are praying. That's my point. You're going to pray for the things that bring God glory. And you're going to use your faith to do the impossible as it relates to what God wants happening on the earth. You, you, you're going to pray for the hardest individual in the world to get saved, to get saved. That's the mountain that you're going to move. You're going to pray for the person who would never hear the gospel to hear it. You're going to pray that if anything is stopping you from, from, from preaching the gospel, from sharing the good news, from fulfilling the mission, the, the vision, the purpose, the passion of Christ, you are going to pray for those obstacles. There are times where you're going to be like Paul and you're going to be stoned and you're going to trust God and you're going to get up. People are going to think you're dead. I don't know. Paul might have been dead, but because his work on earth was not done, he got right up off the ground. Paul was nearly killed multiple times, but because he was not finished his purpose, he continued on. Last but not least, let me give you this. Uh oh, I sound like a preacher. And I'm closing, and I'm closing. Mark chapter 16, here it is. Verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. 
He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. Watch this. In my name they will cast out demons. Not in their own name. They won't decree demons out. They won't command demons out. They will say in the name of Jesus. Right? I cast you out in the name of Jesus because that's the only authority that we have. We don't have any authority of our own. Our authority comes from God. Mm -hmm. They will speak with new tongues. This means foreign, unknown language, foreign languages that are known to people of the earth. And we won't get into this debate, but it also means unknown languages that are not known. Corinthians 14 are languages that are unknown and cannot be known except the spirit reveal it. Acts chapter 2 were languages known to mankind on the earth. They heard them speak with the languages they were born in. Two separate events. We're not going to debate that right now. They will take up serpents. They will, if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are signs that follow them to believe. So in the preaching of the gospel, not in the building of a following, the, the, the apostles never scheduled a tent revival for you to come get healed. They went out to the streets and people got healed because they were going to people and praying for salvation. And along the way, people got healed. They didn't pack auditoriums and say, come to this healing conference. Come to this prophetic conference. They didn't do that. I know I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. It's okay. It's okay. They went out. Most of the healings and the power of God that you saw moving in the Bible was when they went out to the people. They didn't call the people into an auditorium, have them pay a fee or give an offering. They went out to them and they saw things happening. The miracles that I have really seen is because I went to the hospital. I was on the street. I didn't call a healing conference. They come on in. I'm going to give you a prophetic word and I'm going to heal you. You know why people do that? Because they think that they are in charge. They forget that we are the reverence God's authority. Submit to his will and trust in his sovereignty. And what I mean by that is that the only authority I have is what comes from God. And so I request of him that he heal. And I submit that he may say not today. And I trust in the fact that he's in control and it's bigger than me and I may not know why he didn't heal today but that's in his hands and I don't pressure people and tell people you didn't have enough faith that's why you were not healed and beat them over the head and make them feel and, and next thing you know people are backsliding and they're walking away from their faith because they said it didn't work they told me I could decree this and when it didn't happen because they weren't taught to trust God's sovereignty. They weren't taught to, to submit to God's will. Some people say, well, it's always God's will to heal. I believe that it's God's will to heal. Yes. But that doesn't mean that God is not smarter than us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. God left Jacob with a limp for the rest of his life. And Jacob was blessed. He was blessed. He brought him back to his father's house. He gave a tenth of all. He gave a tithe of all. Not just crops and fields. Everything that he had. He gave a tenth of everything that he had gained. With a limp. There's some people that I'm not giving unless I get healed. Or I'm, I quit Christianity because I didn't get healed. I wrote this down earlier today. Reasons why God... People are mad at God. There are people who are mad at God because God didn't answer their prayer. That means that that person doesn't realize that they have to trust God's. They have to trust God's sovereignty. That if He didn't ask, answer your prayer, then it was either not according to His will, not in His will, 
that his will for you is something different. God let something bad happen to someone that I know, to myself or someone I know. Another sovereignty, another submitting to the will of God. God isn't doing anything about the evil in the world. Well, some of the evil in the world is something that God said would come. We have to trust that he knows what he's doing. Because the worst mistake that we could make is that somehow thinking that this is supposed to be heaven. That there's not supposed to be any poverty or sickness or disease here. That these things aren't going to be here, but they are going to be here. And we have to be willing to accept certain things. That everybody we pray for is not going to get healed. But that doesn't mean we don't pray. Because if God says pray, we pray. There are things that we're going to pray for. We're going to pray that things go well in this situation and they don't go well. We have to trust God's sovereignty. Jesus had to submit to God's will. Have you ever been in a position where you rather it go a different way? Jesus was in the garden. He said, Lord, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. In Matthew's gospel, it says that he went to the Lord three times. But at the end, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The apostle Paul went to God in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11 and said, Lord, I need you to remove this thorn in my flesh. It's a messenger of Satan. It's a demonic attack. Get it off of me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul had to reverence that God didn't control. He's the boss. Had to submit to his will and entrust in his sovereignty. Trust that whatever was happening was bigger than him and that it was going to work together for the good. So I want to pray for you today. Um, the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1. Because I think it's appropriate because if we have this, then we will think about things in a different light and approach things differently here's the prayer father we come to you as humbly as we know how asking you to fill your people that are listening every person listening to this right now fill them with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding I pray that they walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, God, being fruitful in every good work, and that they increase in the knowledge of you, and that they are strengthened with all might according to your glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, God, give them joy, and that they would continually give you thanks because you qualified them to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light. And you delivered them from the power of darkness and brought them into the kingdom of the son of your love. And through Jesus, I pray that they recognize that they have redemption through his blood and through the forgiveness of their sins. He sacrificed himself just for them. And Lord, Strengthen your people, encourage your people, help them to go back to the model prayer and begin to learn to pray according to it. Not as a prescription or some kind of formula, but as they understand each part, each section. God, I pray that they incorporate that in their prayer life. That they see you as the father in heaven, that you are worthy of praise and that it is your kingdom that we are that we are waiting on, that we are calling for. It is your will that we want done on the earth as it is in heaven. That Lord, you give us this day our daily bread. You give us provision. And Lord, you forgive us as we forgive others. And you lead us and guide us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Uh, defeat the enemy on our behalf. 
because yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. And we say these things in the name by which you have given for all men to be saved. The name that you declare that there is no other name in heaven or on the earth. The name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus and we thank you. Amen. God bless you. Um, I pray that this helps you. Please reach out to me. So often I ask people to reach out to me and with their questions, their comments, their concerns. Um, message me on Facebook. Message me on here. You can leave a message right there on Spotify or type in a message. Um, please reach out to me. I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to let you know uh, what the word of God says. I'm here for you. Those of you that have been um, supporting us, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, being in full-time ministry, everything that you give is a blessing. It's a blessing um, and it keeps us afloat. It keeps us moving forward. If you would like uh, to support us, if you go to Spotify, all you got to do is scroll down and click on the support button. You can give $0.99, cent, $4.99, $9.99 a month. Um, it's all secure. Uh, there'll be no hacks or anything like that, but you'll be supporting a great ministry. You'll be supporting a great work that we're doing. Um, uh, if you uh, you want to continue to pray for us and share um, our podcast with people that you know, please share this. Share this. Listen to it while you're riding in your car, while you're working out at the gym, while you're vacuuming, you're cooking. Turn this on and, and, and hear the word of God. Everything I say, it comes from scripture. Um, you can count on that. God bless you and may God be with you. Uh, remember, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.